0: How do you view your own success? Are you leading with compassion or are you considered ruthless? There is plenty of room for both types of leaders, but the best way to lead successfully is to balance boldness and integrity using kindness and compassion to earn respect. Combine this with a go-getter, visionary and aggressive drive to stay competitive. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks, We'll use the ideas heard today and in this series to help you use every advantage to achieve the best end result. Now, here's your host, Kathy Fairbanks.
1: Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I am your host, Kathy Fairbanks, and I am delighted that you've decided to join us today. Today, we're going to talk about the topic of collaboration when your mission aligns. And a few months ago, I met our guest, and we have been collaborating ever since because we have like-minded missions. So for today's guest, his name is Steve Copeland. Now, Steve is the founder and executive director of Right Thinking Foundation. I love that name, Right Thinking Foundation. Now, this organization's mission is dedicated to fighting and reducing recidivism. Now, it's probably a topic we don't think about a lot, but can you just close your eyes and imagine a world Where you actually have a system inside of prisons that will teach people how not to create the same mistakes they made that got them in prison once they're out. And when they come out of prison, they actually lead a productive and life full of contribution to society and never do anything that would cause them to go back into prison. That's Steve's mission. And recidivism, unfortunately, the numbers are so bad. It's an epidemic in this country. And Steve will share with us a little bit of those statistics. He's an expert in the statistics of what got us here in the first place. So something about Steve, I want you to know that he's a highly successful lifetime entrepreneur, and he personally has developed over hundreds of millions of dollars in economic development. And just as importantly, he has developed a program that has proven business practices which are necessary for success. And it doesn't matter which side of the bars you're on, this program is dynamic. Now, Steve first started following the footsteps of Napoleon Hill about 45 years ago. And RTF's financial education program teaches responsibility and making good choices. So you can certainly see how he's aligned with the Klimmer tools. He has a remarkable ability to connect with people using Napoleon Hill's principles of masterminding. And Steve also works toward making the world a better place in which we live. So, Steve, I want to welcome you to today's show.
2: Kathy, thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. I've enjoyed getting to know you the last couple months, and thank you for this opportunity.
1: Of course, of course. Well, let's unpackage that a little bit in terms of how we met, because I think it underscores what collaboration can look like. So I'm going to provide a little bit of backstory and then we really want to hear the insights that Steve has to share with us today. I did forget to mention at the top of the hour, um, I would encourage everybody to go out and check his foundation out. And it's called, if you want to get out to it, it's rightthink.org. So right with an R, rightthink.org. And Steve has a brand new book that he published last month it is called, From the Lip to the Hip is a Pretty Far Distance. And the tagline is, Doing What You Say You're Going to Do Lessons in Character and Integrity. All right? And um, I'll share a story about that a little bit later where, where Steve had a, first, a firsthand experience of that with a commitment that I said that I would follow through with. All right, so let's talk about how we met. Um, about a year ago, I ran into one of our graduates at our Heart of the Samurai conference. Now, that conference is about shattering the scarcity mindset and creating abundance in your life. Now, we're not talking about just abundance from finance. It can be that. But it's an abundance of health. It's an abundance of time. It's an abundance of resource. It's an abundance of confidence. It can be an abundance of basically any topic that you you have in mind. So when I met this graduate, she said, you know, I have a mission where I want to make a difference in this world for those that are incarcerated. Now, honestly, that's not the first time that I've heard that desire, that goal, that dream from a graduate. There was something special about this graduate. So we talked about it. I gave her a little bit of a homework assignment, and then... She came back to me and she said, let's get this down as a strategy. Can you mentor me a little bit? I'm not sure where to start, but I want to make it happen. All right. So not having all the mechanisms down wasn't going to stop her. She knew she had a clear intention, a clear commitment. So one of the things that I suggested that she do was reach out to a mutual friend of ours. His name is Jim Stovall. Steve is a friend of Jim. And Jim is a friend of mine by way of Clemmer. Jim mentors Kimberly Zink, our CEO, and has been a friend of Clemmer ever since he ran into Brian Clemmer years and years ago, nearly 25 years ago. So when she reached out, and one of the reasons I tasked her to reach out to Jim Stovall, if you don't know Jim, he's a award-winning music producer or movie producer, author. And Jim does not go victim to circumstances. He went blind when he was in his late 20s and has created narrative, narrative television for the blind. All right, Successful Millionaire. I knew if anybody had a network in which he could lead us to where we could get these tools inside of the prison system, Jim would know who that would be. And sure enough, he provided Steve's name. So, Steve and this graduate, and she's going to be a guest on a show in a few, a few weeks from now. Steve and this graduate started talking. And it was very clear that our missions are aligned and that joining forces and making a dis- difference inside the prison was going to be important. So, Steve, I just wanted to paint that picture a little bit. And one of the questions that I have for you today is your background. Why did you decide to leave the business world and make it a full-time endeavor in an area that let's just say it's not glamorous? Reducing recidivism, you're you're not necessarily going to be considered the rock star of the world when you have a nonprofit that's looking towards serving those that are often overlooked. So what was the catalyst and the motivation around that,
2: Steve? Well, this is a one-hour give-or-take show, and <laughs> I'll request that we turn it into a, a seven-part series as I start to give you the answer. No, just there kidding, Kathy. So the, 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 what I want to tell you is basically this. I think everybody should want to know their purpose. But not everybody is fortunate enough to ever ever find their purpose. And sometimes we go through life thinking that we know what it is, working towards something, and then we wake up and realize that's not what it really is. And so my life has always been a desire, a quest to to find my purpose. And I was very, very fortunate to... To know what my purpose was years and years ago, um, my mother is my my best inspiration and um, I knew my purpose from my mom and um, Thank you for all the things that you said about me and and answering your question i 'll get right to the point. I dedicate my book and I have a curriculum that you mentioned that 's in prisons and and I dedicate both the curriculum and my book to my mother and I'd like to just tell you what that dedication is, because that's going to maybe answer your question. Perfect. I dedicate this book to my mother, Rose. She taught me how to love. She was the original never-met-a-stranger and could give you the shirt off her back person. She passed these on to me. What that basically means is, is that as we all are looking to find out who we are and why we're here, what our purpose, why the Lord created us— Sometimes it ends up happening, and you don't even... It's not because you made it happen. It's because it just happened. And that's what happened to me. I, I've gone through a lot of health issues, very, very serious health issues, and I, I'll just leave it at that. And, and so my health issues put me into some very, very uh, serious financial issues. And um, so I had a problem... And a bank was trying to uh, foreclose on my house, or they wanted to, me to pay off the loan. And I was in a church, and I gave a testimony to the congregation. And then two guys came up to me afterwards. I was asking for prayer. And they said, man, we didn't know you are a business dude. Could you help us? And I said, what would you like me to do? And they said, well, we got a barbershop. And we're growing it into a barber school. Could you help us grow our barbershop into a barber school? And I said, I'd be glad to help you. And that's the key to the whole thing. My mother taught me that whenever somebody needs you, asks you to do something, find a way to do it. And so, so what I did was I came out to their barbershop. And the very first thing they said to me was, hey, Steve, can you help get us into prisons and rehab centers? And I did one of those, Willis, what you mean, Willis? You know, was, I said, <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? And 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 Steve and, Steve and Fred were their names. Um, Steve said, well, see, that's where we started. 25 years ago, we were both incarcerated for about five years. And we know that when people are coming out of prison, they're going to have a hard time readjusting to society. And we want them to know that we're here for them. And a lot of them—that's what we're cut. A lot of them, they—they they might want to become barbers because it's a—it's a, it's a great—it's a great opportunity. You can be self-employed. You can work out of your house. You can rent a chair from someone else. It's a—it's a very very good profession. And and so I was just overwhelmed by it. And then they went on to tell me that they had nine chairs in their barbershop. Eight of the nine chairs were currently being occupied by by what we call returning citizens, felons, men that had come out of prison. And so I just was overwhelmed by this. And so what happened next from there was, I started trying to find out how could I get them, uh, help them grow their barber, barber shop into a barber school and um in my business career I do an awful lot of helping people grow their businesses and so forth and so I found out about a government program I think it's called the WIA Act uh, the Work Investment Act of 1994 or something and so I got into that and it's a program where people that are that are underserved or or financially going through hardship they can qualify for a program where their tuition can be paid to a number of different career opportunities to get training so that they can uh, advance their lives forward and stabilize. And so I found out that if I got them qualified, they could be what they call a vendor to have people that want to go to their barber school, get their tuition paid on their behalf through this WIA Act. And uh, so that I, I, I developed that, and within about six months, I had them qualified, and they started having people get scholarships to come to their barber school. And so during that time, though, I did a lot of networking, and and I met a woman that is involved in prisons, and I started in a, a prison called St. Bright's Prison. So to make a long story short, and I can end it, this is the quickest I've ever told it, is this. So I got invited to go to a job fair, with, with Steve and Fred in their barbershop called Master's Masters Barber School of Excellence. And uh, I'll point out that Master's is an apostrophe. That's because they glorify the Lord. That's part of who they are. And so we did a job fair, and I put together a, a tabletop presentation. I took all the photographs. I made a brochure for them. I, I did all those things. And we got out there in the St. Bride's Prison in Chesapeake, Virginia, and we did a job fair. And what that was, was they had 300 men, inmates, all come through in groups of 60, five times. And the first two came through, then they took an hour break for lunch, and they had a program and so forth. But when I was in there, after the first group, something happened to me, and this is the specific answer to your question. How did I give up a business career doing whatever I was doing, finance officer for large companies and self-employed, et cetera, and get into the foundation to form my own foundation? I tried for a couple years to work for other foundations when I got my, my terminal illness diagnosis and had to sell a marina that I had operated very successfully that I needed to sell while I was still healthy. But I ended up deciding that the only way that I'm going to be satisfied is to form my own foundation because I I didn't like working on staff for other foundations and have a different of an ideology or this or that. So in the prison that day, after the first group of 60 came through, we had a break for 10 minutes. Then it happened to me. And people hear about this happening to other people all the time, but until it happens to you, you don't really understand how, how it works. I looked up at the ceiling of the gym in the prison, and the ceiling disappeared, and it was just open, and then I got, God talked directly to me, and he said this is what he wanted me to do, and I just was amazed, because I could see, like, clouds swirling things, et cetera, and, and I said, wow, so this is what I'm supposed to do with my life, and I just smiled, and I said... It makes perfect sense. I'm I'm qualified. I can do financial counseling for people to help them have a better life. Uh, I love people. I'm helping people. There's truly a need here that most other people don't want to get involved in. And and I've got a background where I feel safe and comfortable with my the compassionate samurai. I love y'all because you know I'm a martial arts master, and I'm and I and I've just grown up with understanding the, the the bushido, the samurai mentality. And so I said this this is it. And then from that moment on, I knew what I was going to do. And and I put together my foundation. And over the last nine years, this month, I've been in prisons uh, in Virginia mostly for the first six or seven years, and then I started going outside of Virginia. And um, so that's how I did it. And, and I was called to do it. I didn't know I was going to do it. People say, how did, why did you choose to go into prisons?" I didn't choose it. I was chosen. And so, Kathy, I can go on, like I said, for a whole lot you know, more hours here. But I hope I answered your question uh, the way that you would like to hear the story.
1: You certainly did. And I think that's incredible. I didn't know that specific kind of epiphany and awakening that you had. What I do hear from you, when you know, you know, you don't have to know how. But you know this is your purpose on the planet. So, Steve, thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. We are coming to our first break of today's show. I'd like for you to join us back. We're going to hear specifically a very instrumental program that Steve developed for for those that are about to be returning citizens it just sets them up for success in life and why that's so important in reducing recidivism so join us for our next segment you've been listening to the compassionate samurai with your host kathy fairbanks
4: Leadership development isn't limited to people in the executive suites or corporate boardrooms. Employees throughout a company recognize their role in fulfilling the company's mission. Effective leadership is a quality that must be shared by employees from the top down. Clemmer and Associates Corporate Mastery Workshop focuses on key topics to equip each student's development into a highly productive and ethical leader. For more information, visit Clemmer.com. That's K-L-E-M-M-E-R.com.
0: Kathy Fairbanks is available to speak for your event or organization. Kathy is the director of client solutions for Clemmer and Associates Leadership Seminars. Kathy and her corporate team provides experiential training introductions to clients worldwide in order to support them in achieving their desired goals. Put Kathy Fairbanks to work for you. Call 800-577-5447 or send an email to Kathy at clemmer.com. The next step for growth is... Is yours. Call 800 577 5447 or email Kathy at KLEMMER.com.
3: Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, Blackberry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, Blackberry App World, or Android Market.
0: listening to the compassionate samurai business hour to reach kathy fairbanks or her guests today please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790 again that's 1-866-472-5790 if you'd rather send an email the email address is kathy at compassionate samurai show.com now back to the compassionate samurai business hour
1: Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I'm your host, Kathy Fairbanks, and we are joined today by by our guest, Steve Copeland. Now, Steve is the founder, and let's just say creative genius behind Right Thinking Foundation. Steve's mission on this planet is really to reduce recidivism. And Steve has developed, and I want to unpackage this a little bit, he has developed a specific program that he is able to teach inside the prison and jail system that sets returning citizens up for success. So, Steve, can you tell us a little bit about the structure of that program? Um, what's in it for the students and how are they able to apply it? Um, so, if you'd unpackage that a little bit, I'd appreciate it.
2: Absolutely, Kathy. The, the program that I teach it's a financial literacy program. It's called Personal Finance and Small Business Ownership. But what I like to tell people is, but it's not really about money. And they go, what? And I go, it's maybe like 25% about money, but what it's really about, it's it's persevering, not quitting, making the right decisions, surrounding yourself with, with the right people, those kind of things. And and so, you know, my my slogan that goes behind my program is, don't quit, plan ahead, it will get better. So... What what I try to do is I try to help people find their purpose and to connect that when they know their purpose, they will be able to to stay focused and and disciplined and eliminate distractions that lead them down the wrong paths and so forth. And and so that's kind of what my program is. I can teach anybody how to budget. I I've been doing it for for years and years. Um, you know, cash flow management, et cetera, growing businesses, doing whatever. But what it comes down to is, is that I can teach anybody budget. They can take a class with me on that. But if they don't know their purpose, they're going to waste their money and spend it on the wrong things anyway. So what I do is I found a way to combine what I said the Lord called me to do with my financial background and my ability to communicate with people. And so my program at its most core level, it's a six part to the program, six processes. I always say love. Trust, respect, listen, desire to change, and provide tools. Now what that means is is that if you go into a prison, there's no trust basically whatsoever. You know, everybody's from Missouri that's in prison. Show me. they got their arms all folded up. Their body language will make most people want to leave. But they got to know you're there for them. They could care less about buy my book. If you start giving them a canned, canned approach to whatever your seminar is going to be, they're just going to close their ears off and they're going to walk out on you. The joy that I get after being in prisons and, and rehab centers and, and halfway houses and so forth close to 500 times is that I'm thanked by the counselors and saying, hey, you know, they, I said, so how'd I do? They go, they would have let you know, Steve. So, but the point is, they got to know that you're there for them. If, if they don't know you're there for them, they're not going to pay a, a, attention to a word you say. But after you get that across to them, they gotta, you got to develop a trust they got to feel safe with you. And so I do a lot of connecting with them to let them understand a little bit about me so they know that I'm, I'm safe. You know, I say sometimes, hey, you might not ever see me again for the rest of your lives, so just, I've got something I want to give you. I've been led to come here to give you this. I'll pass out books by uh, Jim Stoball, Don Green, Napoleon Hill Foundation, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl. These are the kind of books that I donate to prison libraries, because that reinforces my message, because I'm going to add all the Clemmer books, by the way, because our message are the same. We want people understanding what it is that they should do to, to be respectful to other people and to make contributions. So after we get this level of trust, then I give them a little bit about my background so they develop the respect so that they go, okay, this guy's here for a couple hours. Uh, uh, maybe he's got something worth listening to. And so I give them a little bit about my career and my credentials, so to speak. And then it's about listening. Now I think I've got them listening, but it only comes after I listen to them. The listening parts that I listen to them, they know they can express themselves with me. And then they have to make a decision. If they have a desire to change, then then we can move forward. And then I can provide them tools. So there's only one of me. And so what I did was I took this basic program that I'd done all these seminars in prisons for nine years uh, about a year ago. It's been about the uh, eighth-year level here. And I knew that I couldn't travel around the country and make enough impact if I keep doing it by myself. So I knew that I had to find a vehicle that I could do it. And I met a company called GTL at a American Correctional Association, 146th Annual Congress in Minneapolis a couple years ago. And they knew about me. They wanted to meet me. They said they wanted to take my my program, turn it into a curriculum, and and that's what we're doing now. And so I'll just end that part of the story with my book is out in ebook, and I'm not I'm not doing the book to make money. I want people to read the book so they can develop their character, so they can know that they're honoring their own word is the secret here. And so what I'm doing is. GTL is in 2,500 prisons across the country, prisons and jail systems, and they have hundreds of thousands of returning citizens that rent their tablets so they can do emails, text messaging, music libraries, and they offer educational content that I'm part of. I'm the exclusive uh, financial literacy program for GTL, but in a week or so, I'm giving them the file to my ebook, and they're going to load it up. It's a free ebook library. And overnight, several hundred thousand, I'm thinking it might be over 400,000 returning citizens, will have access to, from the lip to the hip, it's a pretty far distance, in one day. And once they start reading it, then I think their lives are going to change, because the whole theme of the book is really simple. If you don't do what you say you're going to do, people aren't going to trust you, and people aren't going to be there to work with you and support you, and, and no man is an island. We all need other people, so... That's kind of my curriculum, but here it is in a nutshell. It's a financial literacy curriculum, and I say on the brochure, the purpose of this seminar on personal finance and small business ownership is to give returning citizens a better chance of success by helping them to change the way they think about their personal finances so that they may become more aware of how money works in their lives so that they will think and plan ahead, making right decisions, reducing the amount of stress in their lives, and not reverting back to old ways of thinking that may have gotten them in trouble in the first place. So what we do in prisons is we teach them how to get their thinking changed, and I have a program that's part of this called Converting Canteen Spending to Savings so they can start thinking about what they do And I can go on forever on that, but I help them change their thinking so they can learn to get focused and achieve their goals in life by better handling their finances. You know, there's many, many things in life that we don't have control over. Divorce, accident, disease, job layoff, things like that, but... We do have a lot of control over how we handle our money, so let's eliminate the stress related to that so we'll be better prepared to deal with things that that happen and and have them be no more than a temporary setback and not let them get to the stage of where it's it's a, a failure, a big failure. So I hope I answered what you're asking me.
1: Well, you certainly did, and one of the things that Steve was generous enough was to give me an overview of his program, and um, the program's very, very rich in content, and definitely would be of benefit, again, anyone on the inside or the outside. Now, let me switch gears for a second. We're coming up um, against our second break, but before we do that, I want to talk about your book, because your book it's so beautiful it's a photograph of an ocean scene on the front and i learned something from you steve inside the cover is a picture that you took a photograph that you took again of a plain ocean scene and that's a meditative page if you're inside prison you can literally meditate on that page and I think you got some feedback from um, someone on the inside who who actually said that but let me also talk about the design you have covered topics from integrity to habits to doing what you say you're going to do inside of this book but then at the end of every chapter You can click that little code at the bottom, and that code will take you to a radio show that you did with the subject matter expert, and it will really unpackage and let you hear. It'll bring it alive, right? It will let you unpackage exactly what that show was about, and so you can read about the show, but you can also hear the show. And so, if you're in your mobile university, your car, you're able to listen to show after show after show. And, Steve, I, I know you've done well over 200 shows, right?
2: 205 this week. That's correct.
1: 205 this week. So, congratulations on that. You have been listening Thank to you. the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Stay tuned for our next segment.
4: Leadership development isn't limited to people in the executive suites or corporate boardrooms. Employees throughout a company recognize their role in fulfilling the company's mission. Effective leadership is a quality that must be shared by employees from the top down. Clemmer and Associates Corporate Mastery Workshop focuses on key topics to equip each student's development into a highly productive and ethical leader. For more information, visit klemmer.com. That's K L-E-M-M-E-R.com.
0: Kathy Fairbanks is available to speak for your event or organization. Kathy is the director of client solutions for Clemmer and Associates Leadership Seminars. Kathy and her corporate team provides experiential training introductions to clients worldwide in order to support them in achieving their desired goals. Put Kathy Fairbanks to work for you. Call 800-577-5447 or send an email to Kathy at clemmer.com. The next step for growth. Is yours. Call 800-577-5447 or email Kathy at K-L-E-M-M-E-R dot com. are listening to the compassionate samurai business hour to reach kathy fairbanks or her guests today please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790 again that's 1-866-472-5790 if you'd rather send an email the email address is kathy at compassionate samurai show.com now back to the compassionate samurai business hour
1: Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Our guest today is Steve Copeland from Right Right Thinking Foundation. And Steve is working on reducing recidivism out there in the world. And Steve, I was talking about your wonderful book. Tell me how the photograph came about for your book.
2: Oh, geez. I the photograph is actually 82nd, it's taken from 82nd Street in Virginia Beach, Virginia Beach, Virginia. And um, I love to walk on the beach. I go, I swim. I go from um, June when the when the I don't like to wear a wetsuit, but I go to the beach almost every day uh, at some point in the day, and um, till June to about November, I swim in the ocean. I walk on the beach, and um, and so when I was trying to come up with a cover for the book, I. I failed a couple of times with different thoughts and illustrations. And finally, my wife said, why don't you do a picture of the beach like you always take those pictures? I've got, I've got hundreds and hundreds of pictures of the beach. I love to watch the surf come in the waves. It's powerful. It's meditative. And so I did a picture with my cell phone. And then the publisher said that it didn't have high enough uh, D- DPI dots per inch to blow up for the cover. And so I didn't think I was going to use it, but I went down there in, in December right before it had to get to the publisher. And it was supposed to rain all day, and it was just, just crystal clear all day. And I got a picture almost identical to the original, and in fact, it came out better. But the picture is the same on the front cover and the back cover. It's just that the back cover, it's a little more zoomed in so that so that when you, when you look at it on the front cover, it's more of an aerial view. It's a little more... Uh, it's a little more spiritual in my mind. When you look at the back cover, it's more feet on the ground, looking at the sand a little bit more. And when I look at the picture, it's such a magnificent picture of, of the ocean. And like you said, people in prison, just just looking at a picture like this makes them meditate. And I, and I did get that from, from one of my friends that's been in prison. It's so meditative. It's just so beautiful. You know, you could look at it all day and get good thoughts. So... I wanted to show them the same picture, and it cost me an awful lot of money to do what they call a duplex cover with the uh, lamination and all. Mm-hmm. I did not – I wanted them to have the the same picture on the inside covers with no print next to it on it. And, and you might notice there's a blank page when you open it because – I don't want any distractions when they're staying there in their their bunks looking at this photograph. So I just wanted to tell you I'm so pleased that that I was able to, to have this picture get into the hands of people. I would like to say one thing real quick, and that is you said that, you know, my life purpose is to fight recidivism and and i i will accept that because it's true but it goes beyond fighting recidivism my life purpose is to love everybody and to help everybody that possibly can and the beauty about what i teach everybody that knows what i do says see this doesn't this this is for everybody this is teaching kids you know i've taught in high schools how to handle their money properly real life things it's for everybody. So my real mission statement is to help anyone that's going through hardship and those that want to be able to help them. And what that means is is that I try to, kind of like Clemmer does, I try to train people that can learn ways to help other people as well as doing direct helping people myself. So I just want to slip that in. But, Kathy, thanks so much for what you're doing with me today. It's it's important it's important to get people to know that they're cared for, that people love them, and, um, and that we're here for them. And the population that I chose, it's it's one that's so underserved. People just don't want to get involved in it because of basic fears. People, Nobody wants to think about life imprisonment. It's a nightmare, so people want to block it out. They think if they think about it or they support the mission that I do, it might draw them closer to having to know more about it. And they really don't want to know sometimes. But so... I'm the guy that goes in there, I used to tell people, I'm the Chuck Norris. So I go behind enemy lines and try to pull people out. Missing in action was the Chuck Norris movie. Um I've got a very close friend that's a, a top financial guy and he started a small business development center and and he goes he does these six week workshops where they teach finances to people that are trying to, you know, do better. And um and you know, I mentored him by the way for years and, and I can teach what he teaches, I'm qualified. But I asked him, so how many people finish your class? And he goes, We're hitting eighty percent and I said, Well that's great. I said, What happens to the to the twenty uh, percent that doesn't complete it? Imagine people taking a class but they just not they they don't have the ability to sit still, something gets in their way, they don't go to the class, their comprehension's weak, they drop out. And I said to him, So what happens to the uh Twenty percent that don't get a certificate from you that finish the class. He goes, I don't really know. And I said, Well, I mean, what? Where do? You, what do you think happens? Because they're not getting the benefit of of what you're here to teach. He said, I don't know. I guess they just fall back into the system. The system being uh, public assistance, welfare, maybe go into prison system. And I said, Well, that's the difference between you and me. I can teach what you teach, and there's a lot of people that can teach what you teach, but not that many people want to go and reach those. Those two that didn't complete it. And I go after there, and I try to pull them up to a level where they can have other people take it from there.
1: Well, it's it's definitely a population that is certainly underserved. And I was reflecting on it the other day. Like one of the things that Clemmer is committed to is making The world, not only better, but a world that works for everyone with no one left out. And when I think of the prison and the jail population, that population gets left out a lot. And the impact, like you say, what if you go back and pick up that other 20%? Well, one of the things that I'm very clear about is the impact is not just with one returning citizen because one returning citizen impacts their spouse, their girlfriend, their par- partner, their children if they had children before they went in, their grandchildren, their mothers, their fathers, their brothers, their sisters, their church. It impacts so the ripple effect of somebody coming out and returning as a citizen And remaining as a citizen that is productive to society and contributing to society, it's exponential. So I feel that not only is it a passion that we have, it's also our responsibility back to humankind and relatability. I've never been inside the prison system, but yet I know these tools are valuable for everyone walking on the planet. So thank you for doing what you do, Steve. And one of the areas that, you know, Steve is willing to mentor and share. So I'm curious, Steve, Besides your mother, Rose, who I know was your number one mentor when she was able to do that for you, and I'm still she, I'm sure she's still mentoring you today, it's just in a different form, who have been some of your other mentors that you've been able to learn from? Would you share that with us?
2: Oh, I would love to. I'm a reader, and I teach everywhere I go that you need a mentor. Every one of us need a mentor. But some of the very best mentors that we can ever get in our lives, they might be long deceased, they might be someone that wrote a book. And, and so they're, my number one mentor in my life has been Napoleon Hill. And I like to make this statement everywhere I go, that the three most influential books that have influ- uh, influenced Influential, that's kind of redundant, I apologize, but the three most important books in my life are the Bible. That's where you learn a lot about truth and the way we should love one another. Napoleon Hill's masterpiece, written in 1937, Think and Grow Rich, and 17 Principles of Success. And then another Napoleon Hill book that he wrote but wasn't published for maybe 75 years after he died in an inmate in Greensville Correctional in, uh, in Jarrett, Virginia – he he recommended it to me, and I hadn't known about it. I mean, I've read 35 or 40 Napoleon Hill books. It had just come out about a year before, about five years ago. It's called Outwitting the Devil, and it is a masterpiece on human nature. And so those three books is is what I go to. And, and so as far as mentors go, Napoleon Hill that you mentioned, I'm like over 45 years since I was first given my copy of Think and Grow Rich by a man named Bill the Plant Man who just wanted to give it to me because he said, Steve, you should read this book. It's going to reinforce the way you think. And that was such a gift to me to have someone acknowledge that my thinking is in the right direction. And so Napoleon Hill. And then when I started my foundation, uh, I'm not afraid to pick up the phone and call somebody and introduce myself. And uh, so I picked up the phone and said, you know, I'm forming a foundation. I want to go straight to the Napoleon Hill Foundation. That's a worldwide uh, foundation for years and years. And I just called him up to introduce myself and say, hey. I'd like to be affiliated with y'all. And Don Green, the most... Don Green's going to be 80 on his birthday, March the 2nd. And he's been the executive director of the Napoleon Hill Foundation uh, for about 20 years now. And he's an incredibly famous person. He's spoken before the UN. His name's on 250 books. He answered the phone. And so... He When I told him what I was doing, he said, you know, we used to be way more involved in prisons, but uh, but this is really good, Steve. So, yeah, we would like to be involved. He has donated books to prisons and to schools that I teach in for years with me now. And um, he's just been a wonderful friend, but he introduced me to Jim Stovall. And Jim Stovall, I would tell you right now, he is the most phenomenal human being that I've ever met, most inspirational person and I became friends with him. Um, the book that I read was called One Season of Hope that Don Green gave to me. And I cried like a baby the last 30 pages. The story was just so... I just tears. And In fact, my tears landed on the last couple pages and blurred the words. But at the very last page, it said, here's my phone number if you want to call me. Jim Soval takes phone calls. He's got millions of books in print, but every book says, call me. And he calls everybody back. And so... I called Jim Stovall. I talked to his secretary. He called me back in 30 minutes. We started our friendship. And now Jim Stovall and I have gotten much, much closer. He's in my curriculum. So is Don Green uh, in my prisons, uh, in the prisons, in the curriculum. Uh, Don Green wrote the forward to From the Lip to the Hip is a Pretty Far Distance. Jim Stovall's got a chapter in here. And so, you know, I'll tell you this. If you know what you're supposed to be doing other people are going to be there, and it's going to happen naturally. And so how did I meet you, Kathy, uh, the, your student that Jim Stovall sent to me? I interviewed her. The The interview was listened to by you and, um, and Kimberly Zink, and then you wanted to meet me, and then we've been talking for months now, and I'm trying to help y'all get into prisons, and it's it's just going to keep on going. But people that... It's like a brotherhood fraternity that we're all a members of and that is trying to make the world a better place and giving of yourselves to others. I mean I could go on a lot with that whole point, giving of yourself to others. Uh I hitchhiked a, a lot and and I and I picked that up from someone once when I asked them when I was young. So what is the most important thing in life? And uh, Merle, I call him Merle the Cowboy. That's his name Merle, owned a ranch in Colorado and and um I, I, he picked me up and uh, met him. The bottom line is, he said, "The gift of yourself, Steve," and and I, I never let go of that. So, I don't know. I don't know exactly what we're talking about, but I'll tell you this: mentors, you have to find role models in life, and everyone that's going to be a role model, it's a serious responsibility, and it will help you become a better person, knowing that other people are coming to you for advice and wisdom and, and counseling, and and so i just I just thank the Lord for how He's using me and um yeah i'm a I'm a happy guy
1: there you go. well, let's unpackage that a little bit because um there was an organic process that happened when our student um followed through and and that's a key that's a key that I want to talk about. I've had a lot of our students come up to me and say, My son's in prison, my daughter's in prison, I want to make I want to get Clemmer inside the prison system. And Clemmer and was inside, doing training inside um, jails, I want to say about 13, 14 years ago. And things with funding changed around, and we didn't have anybody um, moving that project forward. The person who was in charge of that um, is no longer with the company, and it kind of fell in my lap. But one thing that I knew for sure Is there certain areas inside of Clemmer where if I spend time, I can, as Jim Stovall would say, I can move the boat forward much faster spending my time in areas that I know are movable and that I have um, some bandwidth with. And so when I charge the student with homework, she did her homework. So I recognize right away a, I have somebody who's willing to do the homework, who's willing to do the heavy lifting and get a little bit of networking done. And so all of a sudden she took it from a place of, ooh, I'm not really sure I can allocate much time to that project to, wow, she's moving that boat forward, it makes sense to allocate time to the process. But we started looking at each other saying, neither one of us really knows how this works. And however it works, is it going to take us 10 months to figure it out or 10 years to figure it out? Because it's a different kind of animal. It's not like I can uh, call ABC company, Work with them and say, all right, so you're ready for some leadership training. Let's get this on the books. It doesn't work that way inside the prisons. So I really want to edify you, Steve, on this. You have been not only a collaborator, but a mentor to the process. You've shared with us, you've asked the questions, you've let us kind of come to the edge of, well, this is where we know, what we know, and then you've provided kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly of, hmm, not sure you're on the right track, ladies, and here's why. Or one of the simple things that that we weren't aware of, <laughs> makes sense now that I hear it, is the lack of internet. And so if we were going to, as a company, try to get information inside the prison system by way of the internet, That's not the way it works. And so just knowing that you've traveled the trail before us is really, really important. Well, Steve, I want to thank you for being a guest on today's show. I'm excited for you and the audience to learn about your book, From the Lip to the Hip is a Pretty Far Distance. And if the audience wants to check out your website, click on that Donate button. The website is rightthink.org. So, Steve, I just want to open it up to you, see if you have any additional comments for today's show. Back to you, Steve.
2: Well, I do, Kathy. Thank you. I'd like to thank the 11 co-authors of From the Lip to the Hip is a Pretty Far Distance. What started out to be a collaboration with friends whom I greatly respect and admire for their incredible wisdom turned into a beautiful collaboration. To all of you, it's not just my book, it's our book. Thank you. Kathy, you asked me who my most important mentors have been earlier in the show. I've saved the best for last. Robin Kassarjan. She's the founder, executive director of the Lionheart Foundation whose program, Houses of Healing, has been in prisons across the country for over 30 years. She's been my number one mentor. When I first started Right Thinking Foundation, she became my mentor then and has been my inspiration ever since. Thank you, Kathy, for having me on your show today. It's an honor and a privilege to be associated with Clemmer and Associates and the Compassion Samurai. Thank you.
1: Well, Steve, it certainly was our pleasure. I'm excited to see what we can do from a collaboration standpoint of view. We both have big things to do, no doubt about it. You have been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I'd also encourage you to go out and check the Clemmer website. We have e-courses available at r.com, as well as PODS which are six week one hour courses guided by our facilitation team. Those courses enrich your life and help you move forward in the direction that you would like to go. Now until then I look forward to connecting with you next time and as Brian Clemmer would always say, "Knock 'em alive.
0: Thank you for tuning into our show. You can hear the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, be sure to take action and create your own success.